You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Hey there, Joe. How are you going today? I'm great, Richard, and I have something new for us to do today. Oh, really? That's exciting. Uh, yes. What is it? We are we are hearing from one of our listeners with wisdom from them. And Ooh. are you ready for it? Remember yep. how we had that discussion about picking a good mango? Yes, I do. Yeah. I well, here is a text I received the other day, which made me laugh and laugh. Joe was listening to Homegrown Faith and the episode about picking a good mango. I got this information for a mango farmer. So by this point, I was like, oh, someone's <laughs> listening and they're commenting. I'm so excited. I already feel thrilled. And here it is. Here's the advice from the mango farmer. It's all about the cleavage. You want to pick a mango with a nice deep cleavage at the stem. Seriously, though, that means that they were picked at the right time and will be delicious. Wow. Then she goes on to say, and this is very interesting, and KP are the best mangoes, very contentious, and honey gold is a good option if there are no KPs, which we both know because we're down with ma- mango lingo is Kensington Pride, of course, mm. which we discussed as being pretty good. Mm. And so then she finishes <laughs> with this. So if, a look, if it looks like a bum, it's going to be yum. <laughs> <laughs> that is from Beck, one of our podcast listeners. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Beck. What great advice. I know. So it's really informed me that I now can go shop with confidence about mangoes. Oh, are we still in mango season or is that Absolutely far? not. I'm just no. going to have to retain it for, for yes. when it comes back. I'm going to be ready. There's a good memory hook there, though, so that's um, pretty much locked in. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it means because I think the thing I was really convinced by was when she said it means that they've picked at the right time. And I thought, well, that's all I want to know. I want to know that someone who's a professional mango man or woman has picked that mango at just the right time. And so when it arrives to me, it's going to be delicious. Just the right time. Wow. <laughs> well, so, th- so thank you to Beck yeah. who sent in that lovely text. <laughs> we will revisit this in November or December or something. That's exactly right. Yeah. And we could, you know, we might be offered a tray of mangoes. We might say, look, actually, I'm a really great mango picker now. <laughs> and so <laughs> I will have to select my own tray. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how she knows a uh, mango grower. Oh, she's explained this to me yesterday. Uh, I yeah. can't remember. I ended up saying, oh, Beck, we're going to use your, you have to listen up. We're talking about you tomorrow. So hi, Beck, yeah. who is listening avidly along. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and what have you been up to, Richard? Oh, well, I thought I'd share with you, Joe, that um, the time is looming when uh, my oldest son gets his L plates. Um, <gasps> and so this, I don't know, this could be a frequent theme in our chats, but, uh, yeah, we... Um, He's turning uh, 16 in about 10 days. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, I was starting to think about L. So I thought I'd ask you, um, what was your experience like of getting your L's? Oh, you were, were you on the <laughs> farm and so we've been driving since you were five years old or something? Yeah, yeah. And I've actually taught quite a few of my cousins how to drive. Oh, really? So, <laughs> yeah, because we had an airstrip on the farm. And so we get our cousins out in the ute, the big old um, Toyota um, Land Cruiser ute. And we would just bowl up and down the airstrip, bunny hopping at a, for a while because it was a manual, yeah. teach them how to drive the manual and then just because you can't hit anything on an airstrip, there's nothing to hit. And no. so you turn up and down. And so, yes, taught many a person to drive as well as learnt to drive uh, very young and probably not applicable to you because dad would have us on his lap and first we would steer 
And then um, we would change the gears and steer and then we would be off his lap and changing the the gears, steering and pressing the the clutch and the accelerator and the brake. So it was a gradual lesson that meant we were driving pretty early. And were you like 12? We were pretty young. I can't remember the exact age, but we were definitely, yeah, very confident Did you have to sort of twist your body to reach the put the clutch all the way down and stuff like that? (laughs) Sometimes if it was more about the completing the task all at the same time and so sometimes we'd be on the clutch and steering and and Dad would change the gear for us if we needed a hand or something like that. The one thing I would say, are you teaching on a manual or on a? Just on an auto, yeah. Okay, all right. We don't have a manual. Yeah, the key thing Dad always taught us when we were driving and when we were teaching people to drive is you don't hold a gear stick, you guide a gear stick. So you either press it downwards with mm. your hand, you guide it down or you guide it up. You don't clutch it and pull it. And mm. that was always really key because as soon as you clutch it, you, you're going to make a mistake. And yeah. that was always his wisdom. Have you got any tips for uh, people learning on an auto, Joe? But, uh, <laughs> I'm so keen to learn from you here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you need to go and talk to the parents who've gone before you. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's also, it's, it's all very well teaching your cousin how to drive and laughing at how many times they bunny hop the car. But yeah. it's much different, a parent and a child. I can only imagine what you've got in store ahead of you, Richard. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jenna said, this is all your job, Richard. <laughs> there hasn't been any debate. This is just landed on my lap. So <laughs> I will say, though, this is one thing. I can't say anything about speak to the automatic driving lessons. But I will say there were times when... I'd be trying to be calm, like, oh, it'd be worth slowing down now, maybe a little <laughs> brake, that's it, foot off the accelerator, onto the brake, that's right, yeah. when probably I could have just said, slow down right now. Because oh. <laughs> there are definite times we were going very fast as we came to turn around and go back the other direction on the airstrip, yeah. and I could have just been a little bit less chilled and a little bit more instructive. <laughs> was your was your right foot sort of reaching out for a family? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think in the effort to be chill and calm, you know, keep a, a positive, affirming environment within the vehicle, I probably mm. didn't say, caution, caution. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what, are your, like, what are your initial plans? Are you going to go to a car park or something? Or? Yeah, there's a car park or there's an industrial area around uh, Newcastle, which is quiet at night or on the weekends. Nice. Um, I've already got a few tips from parents, I think one of which was to get your night driving in during winter. Otherwise, oh. you're keeping this uh, 16-year-old up at uh, <laughs> up till 9, nine o'clock. 9 o'clock. Oh, that's, good. that's good advice. Yeah, but um, I don't know how it'll go. So I uh, was just keen to get your initial thoughts and, uh, mm. yeah, I'll, I'll give you an update in, in a little while. Oh, how exciting. I am looking forward to an update. This is a great <laughs> time for This is a great time for Alex. I'm very excited for him. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm. <laughs> and you've been reading Romans. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing a bit of my slow reading through Romans uh, in Chapter 3 and um, just got a great little insight, I think, in Chapter 3, Verse 20, uh, which is about reading the Old Testament. So Chapter Romans 3, Verse 20 just goes, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of our sin. Mm. Uh, and um, some other translations, uh, ESV, for example, says through, our, through the law comes knowledge of sin, mm. uh, a little more um, explicit. But um, I was reading that and, you know, just little verse by verse kind of stuff and thought, oh, uh, this seems to be saying that through the law we know our sin. 
better. And this little train of thought happened in my head thinking, oh, I thought we just kind of knew sin or that was automatic. But this mm. is the Bible saying here, oh, actually, it's the law that helps us know what our sin is. Mm. And mm. then I took the next step and thought, well, actually, that maybe this is a really important re- reason why we should read the Old Testament and mm. particularly the law uh, because that will help expose my sin, will help me know my sin better, show me my sin, give me mm. knowledge of sin. And so my thinking shift where I thought sin, oh, it's just intuitive, you see and you know it, to oh, actually the God's word here will is the way to best know our sin. Mm. Um, and That uh, is very interesting. Yeah. Because you know how you're reading the Old Testament law sometimes and it's just, oh, I'm doing this out of duty or it's got to be done because it's... Um, um, because I want to be a good Bible reader or I mm. just get, get through the, the sin in glory stuff to get to some little gospel highlights. Or um, mm. Mm. Um, But um, this is, so, and I'm actually reading Exodus in, in, in my other times as well, thinking, oh, I should be on the lookout here for the word of God exposing sin or showing sin to me. Mm. And uh, it's just, yeah, helpfully changed my Bible reading mm. um, and, and reminded me of the, the value and importance of, in our teaching ministries of spending time in the Old Testament in particular. Yeah. The, law. The, the question that pops into my head as you're talking, because I love everything you're saying, the question that pops into my head is where does this fit with conscience? Would we say then that in reading the Old Testament law, it it strengthens our conscience, which is that inner prompt of mm. this is sinful, we shouldn't do this, and a work of the spirit in us to say, Remember what God's word says. Don't do this. You know that that moment. Mm. Is that what you're thinking? Or yeah, I think so. I think um, yeah, the, there is a theology of conscience. It's a mm-hmm. big one in the Bible, but um, mm. it's um, it, our consciences are fallible and they're mm. teachable. So mm. this, um, yeah, and so our consciences have probably been shaped by the law in a long, a lot of ways to start with. But uh, yeah, this is this would be a way of um, this is helpful. This would be a way of. Keeping, training, sharpening, Mm. guiding our conscience. Mm. Yeah, through spending time in the Word, in the Old Testament law. So fascinating. Yeah, I love that, Richard. That's really (laughs) great. Thanks for that. Well, happy to share that. Yeah, just Mm. these are the sort of things you get when you really slow down in your reading and uh, you Mm. cross things. Dig deeper. That's uh, yeah. That's my thoughts and Bible reading from this week. Mm. Uh, uh, Joe, what about um, yeah? What about you? What have you been thinking about or reading? Well, um, I have been thinking about tragedies, actually, <laughs> and uh, so a small topic. And mm. um, I got hold of this book, which is called Where Was God When That Happened? And Other Questions About God's Goodness, Power, and the Way He Works in the World. So quite a big sell for quite a small book. It's in the Questions Christians Ask series by the Good okay. Book Company, yeah. and which is just a little series of guidebooks on a lot of different topics. Yeah. Um, and this book is written by Christopher Ash, who you will know I am an absolute fan of. I yeah, love a lot of his writing. I think he does a really good job of bringing the Bible to bear on the Christian life and also exploring Old Testament books like Job. And so where was God when that happened? Exploring God's goodness and power in the way he works in the world. Mm. And I think the key thing to remember when you're reading this book is that it's pitched at Christians. Mm -hmm. And so it's trying to help the Christian engage in the questions they're asking. And 
I think I'd forgotten that partway through reading it and I got a bit disappointed with it because I thought, oh, this isn't engaging the non-Christian. But it's not designed to. It's not meant to be a tract. Um, yeah. It will answer questions that people who are not a Christian yet ask, but yeah. it's not designed for that. So that was helpful for me to remember. Yeah, uh, It's got a few really wonderful things. Uh, it really yeah, does right. explore the character of God and I think that's what I love about it. But it does, it does say one thing that I've never really used this language before or heard it before, but I love it. And it says, this book may help armchair questioners, but it's mainly for wheelchair questioners, those who cry with the tears of pain and perplexity in the misery of a messed up world. Wow. What a great image. Isn't it? And I just thought, oh, that's exactly what we need. Some language around when we're asking questions. Is this an armchair question where I'm just sitting back and asking a question, throwing it out there, having a bit Mm. of a chat? Or am I asking from the wheelchair? Am I really wrestling right now? Am I in pain? Yeah. Am I grieving? Yeah. Because that that shapes how we answer our questions, how we and even how we're asking them. And I love yeah. that. Oh, and a very challenging book to write. Yeah, no, we've, yes. we've got people like that in mind as he writes. That's right. Um, I wouldn't say it's a particularly um, cozy book in terms of how it relates with the emotions. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say it is good truth for the wheelchair questioner. Um, yeah. it, it, so the next thing I loved about it was how it talked about God. As I said, it just it explores God's character. And I thought I'd just read this paragraph and oh, yeah, just cool. bear with me. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, we must reject the idea of a distant God who is merely transcendent, that is, simply above and beyond all things. For the God of the Bible is imminent that is intimately present and involved in the government of the universe. Mm -hmm. But we must not abandon God's transcendence. Pantheism and panentheism suggest that if the universe ceased to exist, God would cease to exist, or would at very least be changed and diminished. The reverse is the case. Were it not for God's continued sustaining, all things would simply cease to be. The God of the Bible is at the same time transcendent and imminent, sustaining the universe and yet intimately involved in the universe. Mm. Yeah, and I just thought, really oh, helpful. so helpful because it can feel like God's far away when I'm struggling and suffering mm. or God's not looking after the world, not sustaining the world or that, yeah, and I, I think for me that's the wrestle I often hear or I could potentially wrestle with. And I just like how it explores God's character um, in God's sovereignty over the universe. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, it's really good because you've got that thing of, um, you can. There are some traditions or strands of Christianity where it's all about God being really with you and um, broken with you, and yes, uh, just take it a little too far, and the transcendence is lost. Um, yes, that He's yeah in control over things. He's mm. got it, mm. Um, mm. and both things are helpful in suffering. That's right. That's right. And so he he really explores a bunch of those big words like pantheism and panentheism. But um, and I was waiting and waiting and as I was reading this book and I was thinking, oh, but what if I'm talking to a non-Christian? And I was waiting and I was thinking, <laughs> come on, Christopher, bring it, bring it on. I want to read it. And on the last page he answers that question. He says, how can we talk about God's sovereignty to those who are not yet Christians? And he just does a great, exp- like just one pager, and he says, you ask them what they think, you probe the longings they have for a perfect world, and when they're grappling with suffering, you go to the Jesus on the cross. Yeah, and I just thought, yes, there it is. That's what I needed at the end of this book. How to talk about this with someone who's not a Christian? You ask what they think. Really ask them how they account for evil in the world, how they account for suffering in the world. What's their belief system? Mm. 
ask why they want perfection. Where does that come from? Where's that Where's that human heart goal that the desire they've got coming from? And yeah. then go to the cross with them. Yeah. I just thought, yes, that's what I needed. Thank you, Christopher. <laughs> so is this a book you'd rec- obviously recommend a good one to read? Is this a book you could give to someone sensitively I think so. in the midst of suffering or shortly yeah. after suffering? I think it is quite cerebral. Um, I was wondering, the question I was asking was, does this offer truth and sort of a recognition of some kind of emotional comfort, which is separate from truth? I do believe truth comforts, yeah. but is there kind of that extra fluffy kind of cosy hug? And yeah. I wouldn't say it's strong on that. Okay. Um, so if someone's like deep in the moments of tragedy, I probably would say it's it's good for the person who's a thinker. Yeah. But maybe not for the person who's wanting a big warm hug. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is good for them, and I would give it to them eventually, but yeah, maybe not straight away. When the time is right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. Well, great. Mm. Thanks for sharing for your uh, reading and learning there on what sounds mm. like a really helpful book. Yeah, it was good. Mm. Um, and thanks for your sharing on Romans 3. I don't think I'll think about this about the law and conscience the same ever again. That's going to be great. Yeah, I hope the next time you dip into Old Testament law is really, uh, yeah, enlightening <laughs> for you and shows yeah. you what you're thin, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be uh, painful, but good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.